Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post. Tom. I'm Mike Murphy, here with Tom Urich Jr., uh, Jr. with a period. Although I've seen you not use the period before. I've, I've seen both versions. I know I've talked to you about this before, but uh, I don't have any juniors in my life other than you. You're my special boy. Uh, welcome to the show, folks. We're glad to be in your ears. Uh, glad to be in the more sillier part of our show where we uh, look at your questions and do and our best. laugh at them. Yeah. Well, you know, laugh with them, I would hope. We're not laughing at people, Tom. Um, and to start off, one of our lovely patrons, Tall Guy Rob. Uh, I would like to say it takes a lot of confidence to just label your guy a tall guy, Rob. I, as, a, as a fellow tall guy, I'm right there with you. Tom, Tall Guy Rob says, hello, Mike and Tom. Do you think we'll see Recob or Kravstov make an impact with the team in the new year? Many thanks. And this is good, Tom. This is perfect timing. Yeah, because we purposefully left off the Kravstov talk for the off the post. Let's uh, lead us into it. What's happening with with sweet little Vitaly Kravstov? So Vitaly Kravstov, as we all know, was is a sweet little thing. He is. He's he's very you know adorable looking. You know he looks like Ansel Egort. Um, you know if you've seen Baby Driver, Fault in Our Stars, The Goldfinch. You know you know you're totally goddamn right. He does look like that kid. Yes. So he goes. I just want to wrap him up in a little babushka. Carry yeah. him. And if you go to the his KHL page, his headshot, he looks absolutely <laughs> miserable. Mike I sent this to me yesterday. I sent that to you. His KHL headshot with uh, Tractor Chelyabinsk. He just looks like you just told him there's no more there's no more potatoes left in Russia. He's just the saddest little face. It's brutal. So Kravtsov goes to the KHL. He goes back to Tractor Chebolinsk, and he was recently assigned this weekend uh, to their version of the AHL, the VHL. So yeah. this is not good news. And what happens is a story comes out just before we start recording in the New York Post, and it reads, so Rangers GM Jeff Gordon has reached out to Kravtsov's agent in hope of figuring the situation out and hopefully bringing Kravtsov back to play for AHL Hartford. And sort of Gorton's talking about how at the time he felt it was in Kravtsov's or in Kravtsov felt it was in his best interest to go back. They allowed him to do that, but the circumstances sort of have have changed. So they're they're looking to get things back under control. Um, Joe wrote a good story, wrote a story for a change, uh, but it was a good oh! one. Um, I love you, Joe. Well, yeah, it's Christmas time, so I got to be nice. Uh, but talking about the situation and he brought it into the context of when the Rangers drafted Heedle, there was the option for him to go back to the Czech Republic. But the, the thought was we're better to keep him in North America where we can control him in his terms of his ice time and his, and things of that uh, nature. So they wanted to keep him under the Rangers umbrella. So, I think Kravtsov eventually comes back, um, and I think that they're going to sort of have a reset, and it's going to be a situation where Hartford is playing very, very well, and it's going to be a positive environment. It's going to be a clean slate, and he hits the ground running, and not only will he have um, you know, Shishorkin to be friends with, but he'll have Rikov, who's healthy, so that should be... 
a positive thing for at least someone to be with uh, adjusting to North American life and the language barrier and all the things that come along with that. And, and Joe made a good point and he's bringing up about what it was like when uh, he went away to college. And, you know, it's a, it's a, an analogy that I think people can relate to. It's the first time you're away from home. Well, this guy's thousands of miles away in a land where he doesn't speak the language. So that on top of trying to be an NHL player one day is a lot for a 19 year old. Yeah, it is a whole bunch like the, the potential for him to have an impact. I think recov is already proving to have an impact the new, you know, in, with Hartford's lineup. And so I expect that to continue to, you know, directly address Rob's question. But I feel like the same is true. If if Kravstov does come back, which honestly might be the best thing for him, depending on what option exists for Chelyabinsk to trade him to another team, because ideally you want him to be getting more ice time, you know, wherever he is, you want him to be getting a lot of ice time. Getting a lot of ice time in the KHL is great. Getting a lot of ice time in the AHL is great. Getting, you know, he... Skated in one shift in his last game uh, with Tractor. And the game before that, he only had 11 shifts. So, you know, it was like he was down 10 shifts from what he was, you know, doing normally. And that was, that is very eyebrow raising, especially when, you know, there's no, uh, you know, smoke about an injury or anything like that. It just, he wasn't incredibly productive, but it's not terribly surprising considering, you know, how we started the season and the fact that it, you know, it definitely wasn't in his initial plan to end up back in Russia. So there is a lot there with this Kravstov situation. I'm very intrigued what happens next. But I would say both of these guys can have a big impact, especially if Kravstov does come back. Um, let's go to the email, Tom. Uh, who do you think is the next defenseman to be called up from Hartford? Do you think we are going to see Rikov anytime soon from Mike Strum? I think it's kind of got to be Rikov. Um, it's got to be, right? By the fact of he's hey, a left. Joey Keane, a little cup of coffee, Joey Keane. But where do you play him, though? I don't On care. the right side. I don't know. Play fucking Jacob Trouba on wing. Why not? I don't think that's going to happen. How many How many D can we jam in, in this lineup? That's my new challenge for this coaching staff. Yeah. I'm terrified to put that out in the world, actually. It's just. Yeah, talking about de-jamming is not something... Um... Tom, it's Christmas, honey. Um, yeah, it's. I would agree it's got to be Rikov. Uh, I mean, this is like John Gilmore. All, I, I think Joey Keane is Johnny Gilmore all over again, where if, if Joey Keane was left-handed, he probably would have been getting a look um, because the Rangers are doing this all lefties down the left, all righties down the right. So I would think... Rikov gets a look as the guy that takes um, Hayek's roster spot and mm -hmm. sort of switches in and out with uh, Stahl or and potentially Lindgren for that matter if you know he were to regress. Well, I think something they can do with D'Angelo is they can say, hey, Tony, play the other side. Like, you wouldn't want to do that to Truba when he's your top pair right guy. You wouldn't want to do it to Fox when he's your baby. So do to Tony D'Angelo if you have to do it to someone. Why not? That's fair. Say, oh, it'll increase your trade value. Yeah, why not? You say, yeah, just you know, s sprinkle your trade value or make arbitration with him that much more of a nightmare. Which, Although, which, you know, if that helps him make more money, that would, you know, make his tax situation complicated. And we all know how that goes. 
Jesus Christ, Tom, you're a fucking savage right now. Um, from Zach Smilowitz. You told me to have fun. I did tell you to have fun. You got blood all over your lips. You're an animal. Um, at what point do we start talking about keeping Yorgiev instead of Igor? Zach, I'm here for this question. It's, it's got spice in it. It's got punch. Both are 23, and Georgie already has, what, three years in the NHL? Just two. but It's really two. Yeah. He had a cup of coffee in his first year. A cup of I- coffee. Why can't little Joey Keene have a cup of coffee, Tom? Because he's got the wrong hands? Apparently. Piece of shit. What do you have against human hands? Um, honestly, there's a lot to this. Like on the flagship, I was just saying, Georgie is a 926 save right now, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough Behind situation. Behind this defense, a 926 save. Oh, boy. Like, it just goes back to the flagship where the Rangers are playing away right now where it's like, it's hard to it's hard to predict because like I want to say to myself if Gorgiev is playing this way in front of like a tire fire defense is he's playing this way in you know in front of you know uh, a Black Friday Walmart display um, he's he could be really really good on a team that has their shit together defensively. He's already really, really good. That's the thing that's killing me. Like he's already proven that he's really, really good. Yeah. And that's what complicates thing. But again, I'm here for it though. Give me the, give me the, the, the problem I want to have. I like those problems. The problems I don't like Tom are the, the Rangers don't have anyone to play the left side. Like that's a problem. Yeah. I don't want to have. This is the problem. I do want to have. He has a nine twenty eight save at five on five. Good God. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't think the Rangers thought that they were going to have this problem this early. And the thing which sucks is that his eligibility for waivers is slowly but surely coming up. Um, so That's true. That's it's a, a there's a lot of little wrinkles in this that make it all... Because he is a pending RFA. Um and like you said, the eligibility for waivers for him is coming up. Uh, Shosturkin, you know, he has this season and then the next season under contract. So he'll be an RFA after the 20 in the 2021 offseason is the easiest way for me to say that. So, yeah, it's it's a question you do have to ask. Like if Georgiev continues to play this well, you have to say like, all right, well, shit. Are we sure we want to move him? And then the question becomes, if we're sure we don't want to move him, or does that mean we'd rather move Shesterkin? And the like that's the part of this where I'm just like, I don't know. I want both of them. It's like a Sophie's choice. I want I can't give up either of these sweet little babies. They're both good. Yeah, and I think that there's more invested in Igor. Um yeah, because. but George's got all the NHL playing experience, Tom. But there is undoubtedly more invested in Igor because of, you know, what what it took to acquire him. Georgiev was found money, folks. Undrafted yeah. kid. We just took a shot at him. Yeah, I mean, this is something that, you know, all kidding aside, that I was I was talking to Shana with a little bit last night. And I, I want to look into this situation because I, I did something like this last year to sort of try and um, get a handle of what – uh, Igor's adjustment to North America would be and looking at other European goaltenders and what their route was. And yeah, I don't want to say that this is a blanket comparison, but 
initial numbers like to me, I look at Gorgiev and I see a potential Bobrovsky situation where he Gorgiev's numbers, while shorter span overseas, were better in Finland than um, Bobrovsky's were in the KHL. And then Bobrovsky comes over. He eventually wins the starting job. He has a bad playoff run. And then the Flyers went out and they signed Brzezgalov. And then he's relegated to the backup role. And then he's eventually traded um, at the end of that season. And then his first year in Columbus, he goes gangbusters. Um, so it's there's a definite risk with... How's he doing in Florida right now, though, Tom? Well, yeah. I mean, and he's you know much older now so there's that's part of it um but yeah i i think and this is what makes it tough because if the rangers had were closer to contending it makes the conversation a lot less interesting because they would have to do something they wouldn't have the waiting game it's like okay we're a playoff team now and we can't really carry three goalies um and Part of this what makes things interesting is that when you figure out what's going to happen with Igor, and then it's is Huska get the opportunity to um to to play in Hartford as a starter, and then you know everything else that goes along with that. But I've realized that I've been talking really long, so I think we can uh, move on to the next question. I was just enjoying the dulcet sounds of your voice, my handsome well, young man. Thank you. Um, no, this is a great question to me because you do have to, you know, we talk about how the goaltending is this team's greatest strength and how it helps hide the deficiencies of its greatest weakness, which is the defense. And we don't, I don't think we spend enough time putting the spotlight on just how good Georgiev has been. And, you know, he did have a, a little tiny rough stretch, but really overall, he's been great this season. It's like, just saying that he has a 928 save percentage of five on five behind this defense is bonkers. It just, it's crazy to think he's been that good, but he has been that good. So, you know, more power to him. And I, I hope that, you know, we get to see, you know, a scenario that plays out where the Rangers do this right. It's a problem you want to have. The good news is I think whatever path they take here, if they do have to choose one way or another, if it has to be Georgiev or Shesterkin, I don't think there's a wrong choice. There's just probably one choice that will be the guy who ends up with, you know, has less injury, his trouble, you know, for the rest of his career, or, you know, can handle the starting workload. But I don't know, Tom, we're starting to see more and more of these goalie platoons. It's, I think it's hard to find a guy who can start 60 games a season nowadays. Like it's, having a couple options in net is a good thing. And it, it is important to remember, like, you know, Hank just has the two years and then I would imagine he's done at the end of this, at the end of this contract. I, I really as competitive as he is and as badly as he wants to win. Like, I really don't think it's going to go beyond this. It's uh it'll be strange, but I mean, there is a scenario where the Rangers hold on to both these guys, and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but it could happen. We'll see. Um, let's go on to the next one, Tom, which is from Greg Pappas. Would you prefer the Rangers to trade for draft picks or 19 to 20 year old prospects come this deadline? Draft picks for the simple fact that if teams are trading prospects, they're probably doing it for a reason. Yeah, you can get a lot cheaper things at a yard sale, but... If you want to get the stuff that you actually want, 
you kind of do have to go to the store or to amazon.com, which seems to control the world. Um, like teams will be willing to give up guys. They'll be less willing to give up draft picks. With that being said, you can, if you're negotiating for a position of strength, you can say like, look, I want this. And you know, if they're not going to give that, then you move on to the next suitor and the Rangers are going to have a couple of assets, namely Kreider who are going to demand a lot of attention. And the thing that's so important to me with all this, Tom, is you look at, you know, the Rangers, you know, scenario with what they're heading into this upcoming draft with We know this is a big draft. Uh, we know the Rangers have, yeah, super. Uh, they have just their first. They're going to lose the second they have right now. Um, very soon, actually, because I think it's if Fox plays 30 games. Um, yeah, that's going to happen in like any the, within the next game, actually. So they don't have their second. They have Dallas's third, uh, but not their third, if I believe. And so then they have their fourth, their fifth, their sixth, and they have three picks in the round seven, Tom. Um, thank you very much, Merrick Masnick and Cody McLeod for that, by the way. But the the thing that I, occurs to me is like you want to add more picks, even though it's really tempting to be like, I want the 19 to 20 year old prospect because maybe they're a little further along than a kid I'll get in the draft. And maybe that makes this rebuild a little bit shorter. I'm telling you folks, it doesn't really work like that. You want the pick in like nine times out of 10, you want the pick. There are some scenarios where a prospect really flourish, flourishes with a change of scenery. Um, you know, it does happen, but like what Tom was saying, you want the pick. It's, Always take the pick, even though it might be nice to think, oh, you know, maybe we get a little further down the road with taking a, a prospect who's 19 or 20. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Um, reg- from Register to Vote. Uh, it was very popular or very civic duty there uh, in, in your Twitter handle. Honestly and sincerely, what does it take to get David Quinn fired? Do you honestly think John Davidson sees these games night in and night out? and thinks this is fine, or even on the right track. So I have multiple opinions, um, some of which I'll keep to myself for now. Um, but I believe that it's one, it's it's way too early to, to think about firing a coach just for the simple fact of, you know, even though that, you know, he's a college coach and he doesn't have, you know, a big cachet. It's not a situation of where it's like a Joel Quenville that you just brought in. The Rangers right now are not close to contending. Now, you tell me at the end of this year, things don't go the way that the front office is hoping for. It gives them a bit of a cause for concern. And then they could theoretically reevaluate. Um, but I think for now, it's about how this team takes the next step in year two, how the players that who benefit under Quinn last year, whether it be you know the way he handled Buchnevich or D'Angelo, etc. Um, do they make those strides? Are there other players who make strides? And part of it is complicated because you could have some young players who look good just by benefit of who they play with, whether it be Zibanejad or Panarin. Um, but I, to, to answer your question more directly, I think 
John Davidson is aware of what's going on. I mean, he said as much um, in a recent, uh, you know, like he had before one of the recent home games, they had this thing. It's called like a, a chalk talk and the Rangers tweeted out a snippet of it. And it basically, he said, you know, during my um, introductory press conference, I warned people that, you know, this wasn't going to be easy. You know, you call it a rebuild. I call it a build, but it's working towards something and it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think JD is very aware. I think, the some of the problems I think that are in place here is like you have to ask yourself what can be done to fix some of these problems outside of a move where you just say, all right, shit can Lindy Ruff find someone to replace them. And you have to so is that is that something that seems like it's a, a unanimous thing that a lot of people think might be a good idea, might be a better path forward. But we don't know the nuances of of Lindy Ruff's relationship with that coaching staff, how much say he actually has in things. We can all have our best assumptions, but unless you're one of the coaches or a part of the Rangers front office, we don't really know. Um, what is interesting is that we haven't seen a lot of changes. We have seen, uh, you know, a significant change in how things were done in Hartford. And, you know, of course that has led to a lot of success, uh, even though the team definitely did suffer after Philip Peedle got called up and, you know, David Cunniff actually left the coaching staff. Uh, for a big role uh, with an ECHL affiliate of the Islanders as the head coach and GM. Uh, but looking at what can happen with this Rangers team, part of this is personnel. And I think part of the reality here is they're trying to put some players they have on the roster in a position where they're building up their trade value. Ryan Strome being one of them, Jesper Fast being one of them, Chris Kreider being obviously one of them. And I think a lot of that does factor into this. Um, I think I said the same thing after last season, Tom, but I think that if we see Lindy Ruff here uh, next season in October, I think you do have to start wondering what the hell's going on. If, you know, if Lindy Ruff has a manila folder filled with uh, compromising pictures of, you know, members of the Rangers front office or something, because it is, you know, it's obviously being a silly goose here, but it is, it's really tough when you look at how it's not just the personnel, it's part of the strategy of this defense and the shortcomings that we've gone over and over and over again, I know, uh, but it's not changing and it's not going to change unless you provoke change, unless you make a decision that will make things different. Uh, I hope that we see uh, something change because from a strategic standpoint and like a developmental standpoint, I want these kids to develop under a sound defensive system. That sounds like an important thing to me when you have young guys, like, you know, that could be a big part of this, team in the next come like next few years guys like joey Keane or guys like keandre miller and niles lundquist uh, who actually was also named i think to uh sweden's uh world juniors preliminary roster so there's a lot there like carl Henriksen too yeah this shit does matter in a big way um and honestly what does it take to get dq fired i i don't know it's a good question from world by mike i i think the rangers it's they're expected to lose, right? So what does it take? I think it's the mismanagement of the team and losing the locker room. And frankly, when you're a coach in his position, I think it's hard to get fired so long as like so long as the, the Rangers are one, they're above five hundred. And two, they're you know, kids are doing real some some kids are doing really well. And David Quinn, I think, is has done a lot of clever things like 
I'm going to put Capocacco on the power play, even though I don't give him a lot of quality five-on-five ice time. And by doing little things like that, I feel like he covers his back a little bit, but also I think he does it because that is just David Quinn's style. That's what he thinks is the best thing for Capocacco. I don't know if that, all that made sense, Tom, but yeah. Um, let's move on to the next one, buddy. From J. Mike, which is, if the Rangers are in a real playoff position, or I'm sorry, if the Rangers are in a playoff position and playing well as the deadline approaches, do you still trade Kreider? Is the playoff experience more viable than what his return would be? Yeah, I don't know how to bust your bubble here, J. Mike. I'm sure you're a fine, a nice optimistic Ranger fan, and I, and I do love optimistic Rangers fans, but I don't think it's likely that the Rangers will be in a playoff position, and I think that you would have to be crazy if you're Jeff Gordon to not move Kreider, unless he says to you at the last minute, hey, I'll sign for $5 million a year for four years or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd still trade him then. <laughs> Honestly, if I, I, know, if I know he's coming back, I'd sign him after I've traded him. You know what, Tom? You're sassy and you're right. You're a beautiful young man on top of all that. Uh, Panarin 2020. Hey, Mike and Tom, with a recov injury over, uh, do you think there's a chance we see Hayek sent down at some point this season? to get a look at Rikov. We, we touched on this one a little bit. Uh, I guess what we can answer here is when Hayek comes back in three to four weeks, Tom, is it Hayek or Lindgren that goes down? I think it's probably Hayek just for the, the, the easiest way to get around it is that he's been out for three to four weeks and we have to get him back to game speed. So we're going to assign him to the AHL where he can play, um, without, you know, uh, um, not without consequence, but it's not like you want to be weaning a guy back in after being out for a month, you know, at the NHL level. You want to give him a few games at Hartford. And, you know, if the rest of the team at the NHL level plays well, it's like, well, we're sorry, Libor, but we don't got room for you right now. It's tough. I think a lot will obviously depend on what Ryan Lindgren does, but if he continues, if he continues to just play within his game and be who Ryan Lindgren is, I think he'll make. He'll make it tough uh, for the Rangers to send him down, especially if, you know, I think there's more invested in in Hayek and they might want to say, you know, you've been out of the lineup for a month, maybe get reacclimated in the AHL. You know what I mean? Like before you jump right back into it at the NHL level. Uh, from Richard Cologne, should the Rangers shop Truba? Not a knock on his play, but Fox has emerged as a legit number one and Truba's no movement clause starts next year. Rangers get eight men in cap space and more than they traded for him. No. Um, for the simple fact that it's going to be a no from me, dog, as well as Fox has played. It's been a very small sample. We know that Jacob Truba is an NHL player. Um, I'm not saying that Fox is not an NHL player. I have a lot of high hopes for him, but there's been numerous cases of players off to really great starts and then they lose their way. Um, and also just the logistics of it. You as an organization do not trade for someone, sign them to a long contract and then move them instantaneously. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't sign a guy who's a homegrown kid from New York, from New Rochelle. Uh, he, he plays on with one kneecap. And then you buy his ass out and you play a pretty brief and awkward welcome back to New York video. 
I thought uh, we were over this. <laughs> I'm never over that shit. It was a terrible decision. Um, uh, I here's the thing: the Rangers pay are, get, are overpaid for Truba in terms of his contract, not the trade. Um, I think that is true. I also think it is true. It's a stretch to call Adam Fox a legit number one. He hasn't played uh, in that top role. His underlying numbers are just great, but he's playing not against the best players. And if you look at you know Fox, I think is a guy who. I don't think he's at the point where he can really carry a pair if he's, you know, attached at the hip to someone who's not very good. For instance, you know, I looked at the Rangers rookies uh, last week in an article and, you know, him with Ryan Lindgren has really dragged down all of the underlying metrics that has made Fox stand out so much to so many of us. In addition to, frankly, his counting stats have been piling up now and that's awesome to see. Um Getting eight million in cap space is certainly tempting, especially for a team that has six million in dead cap space just from buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. But uh, the the other part of this Truba thing is, who would you trade him for and for what? Like, you have to find a team that has eight million in cap space. That's yeah, t- that's you not have good. to find a team that has another equally overpaid you know, defender. And then you're, and is that, that someone going to be, yeah. Is that going to be a bigger help? Do, do we trade Truba for the left-handed equivalent of Truba? Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I'm, I'm of, I share Tom's opinion that it would be a pretty surprising move and potentially damaging to sign this guy. You know, he, he wanted to come to New York. He settled here, you know, with his, his fiance and like his, his whole life is like this idea of he wants to be somewhere where, you know, he can do this with, his, you know, his significant other's relationship is, uh, you know, her, her relationship with work is just as important to him as his and all that. And uh, it would be kind of a, you know, bullcrap move to trade him right away. But especially because, frankly, he hasn't been bad. Uh, he did go through a rough stretch, but I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting thought, um, but I, I definitely wouldn't do it, at least for now. Um and of course, you know, with the no movement starting next year, I guess you do have to ask that question. But I really don't think that's the case. I mean, maybe you might consider it for a little longer because of how D'Angelo has played. But who the hell knows with Tony D'Angelo and what the next contract for him is going to look like? Uh, there's definitely a lot to consider with there. Uh, Jason Silverman, Tom. Ryan Strom has gotten better, especially with his passing. Playing mostly with Panarin and shooting percentage aside, both very valid points. Can we say he has exceeded all expectations from when we got him? If it continues, do you think we can get a second round pick for him? I mean, I think that considering what they traded for him, it was going to be hard for him not to at the very least break even. Um, and that's the thing about it. Like, you know, we, we get on him over his shooting percentage, um, you know, rightly so. I believe he's gone 10 or 11 games now without a goal. But like you said, he is a very good passer and nothing can, you know, take that away from him. Um, it just becomes, you know, a matter of fact question of what does he bring to the table overall? What is that going to cost? And what is he going to potentially get in the way of? And that's someone like Heedle. Um, right now he's on the wing. But then again, I don't know if I would um 
I don't know how much I like him on the wing because that means that there's a chance that Bucinevich is down in the lineup. That means there's a chance Kako is down in the lineup, you know, um, and, you know, years from now, someone like, you know, Kravtsov. Um, in terms of what his value is, I think that I don't know if there's like a one for one deal or a deal where he's the primary piece. I see it as a situation of, okay, we'll give you Ryan Strom and like this pick for, for something. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like what type of players have commanded second round picks. And I feel like yeah. there, there were some good pick or good players last year, way better than Ryan Strom that got seconds and, it said something if there was a player that got a first round pick. I think like Duchesne was Hayes and Duchesne, I think might've been it. Right. Yeah. So it, it is, it was a rare, you know, a rare, a rarity really to see. We didn't see a lot of first rounders move. We did see second rounders. And honestly, I think if Strom continues this, I think you could maybe even say you started a second um, because he presents, you know, the option of, uh, a guy who is proving he can contribute on the power play, one. A uh, guy who can teams can look at as a second-line center, uh, and center depth is everything at the trade deadline, and that's another big deal here. Uh, I think saying we could get a second-round pick for Ryan Strom is definitely not a stretch. Uh, the longer he plays with Panarin, frankly, the, the greater his value will become. 100%. Moving on to the next one here, Tom. What are your our opinions on the craft style situation. This is from Joey D and we already really touched on this, um, but it is, it is a big one, right? Like overall, I, whatever scenario gets him more ice time is what I'd like to happen. And that's to kind of summarize what we talked about at the top of the show. I agree. More ice time. We want um, from Josh Zarkin. He says, do you envision us packaging Georgie Kreider and or Tony for a bigger fish, Tom? think it's kind of hard and it's in a way when you package players you dilute their value because the concept is when you're in a um, trade deadline situation you want to keep as many pieces on the board as possible because um, I think the unique situation this year is where Hall is is one of the big fish um, who I think will not be around come trade deadline I think he'll be moved way before that um, so that leaves a situation where come forwards, Kreider is a guy who will get a lot of attention, not just because of what he brings, but because of his price. And he's, he's someone that he doesn't cost a lot of money. He's someone that you can pair with a very skilled center and, you know, he's going to be better than what he's been in New York. Uh, D'Angelo is an impending RFA. It's, it's a, interesting proposition but there may teams that might be scared off and say okay well i'm trading for this guy that's playing very well but he's arbitration eligible and you know i can't guarantee what his his dollars are going to be you might be at the point where teams are more nervous about the fact that he's arbitration eligible than his off you know his behavioral stuff yeah he's played that well like mm -hmm. he might be like i can't think of a guy in the league who has done more in terms of helping his perceived value than Tony D'Angelo. He's, he's been, he's had a really tremendous year. 
Yeah, I mean he's 11th in league scoring um, among defensemen. There's a there's a log jam or tie from I think it's 10th to 15th, and yeah, then yeah. you you tie those at 21 points. And when you sort by points per game, he's right behind Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, as for Gorgiev, it's tough because. Goalies are their value is hard to pinpoint, and you don't really see a lot of significant goalie trades around the trade deadline. Um, I see significant in the sense of if you're trading for Gorgiev, you're trying to shore something up, or whether it's your team that has backup concerns, or if you're a team that's looking to solidify like a 1A, 1B type tandem. And I feel like I've said this before, but the really uh, the last significant goalie trade at a trade deadline was was Ryan Miller from Buffalo to to St. Louis, and you know that's going on a couple of years ago. So um, I don't I, I could see any one of those pieces potentially two getting traded on their own, but I don't know if there's like a package deal that exists when you consider all the extenuating factors of you know, price, arbitration, eligibility, um, and, you know, just the relative unknown of, of, of the goalie market in terms of cost. So you're better off doing that, that pieces of business separately. I agree. It, it, it's tough, right? It's, I feel like I do see a scenario where you might be able to package Gergiev and D'Angelo in a deal where you could land a really big fish. The question is, I just don't know, You'd have to have an idea of what teams would are specifically looking for a goalie and a D, right? Like it's, it's a good way to think about this, Tom, is to look back at the step on trade with Arizona. Um, and, you know, like Arizona really was interested in a goalie and a center. And the Rangers are really interested in getting an early first round pick. And that's why they were such good suitors for each other for that trade. And that's why that trade came to pass. Uh, and now you look at, this scenario where you say, all right, well, what could you package something like, you know, Gurgiev and D'Angelo for? It's a lot easier, I think, in NHL like 2020 than it is in real life. And, you know, I'm not saying that's what Josh is implying, of course, but like if you think about how much talent and potential that represents in two positions that are really coveted, there is this, there's definitely a scenario out there where they can get something really special for those two guys. I'm just not sure if it's going to line up with, you know, the deadline or line up with, you know, what the Rangers are looking for and really optimizing the return there. Cause frankly, they might be able to get more in a separate deal for those guys. And that's the other part of this is, you know, can you turn two assets into you know, something that is greater than the sum of their value or, or are you going to be better off making separate deals? You know what I mean? Uh, from Justin Walsh, love the podcast, Mike and Tom. What do you make of the Rangers beat writers who call the recent wins at Columbus and Vegas excellent, despite the underlying stats being largely terrible? Um, I have thoughts, but what I'll say is I feel that the way that some of them perceive the game is different than others. Um it's a situation of they're in a different spot of what they're, they're analyzing. They're sort of, you know, they're reporting the news more or less. Um, I mean, they can think what they think, even if we disagree, they're just gonna, you know, well, clearly you're not watching the games, Tom, uh, because as we all know, it is impossible to both watch the games and then look at the numbers 
and then rewatch the games as I often do, especially the highlights and the goal events. Um, and then I look at the numbers again and I try to understand what I'm seeing is happening. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying that everyone doesn't do that. I'm just saying it is, it's interesting to call those wins. Excellent. I, I think it's easier with Vegas when it's five to nothing, but when you look at the underlying numbers and you're just like, Oh my God, they got their butts handed to them. They just so happen to win because of great goaltending and the power play coming through. And frankly, you know, the, this is a lineup that can put up five goals, even when, you know, the expected goal differential leans heavily towards the opposition. But it is what it is. Like Tom said, different people analyze and view the game from different perspectives. And I think uh, there's not a lot of Rangers beats out there that uh, a lot of them will cite analytics from on occasion, but they do. I don't think they incorporate it like the way that Shana Goldman um, from Blue Banner and The Athletic incorporates her work. Uh, incorporates analytics as part of her analysis. It's like, you know, she, it's more of a 50-50 split between what we observe and what the numbers tell us. And I think a lot of the beat writers, I think are more like 95 and five or 90 and 10, maybe at best. Um, But, you know, it's just what my gut reaction is. I don't want to pass judgment or anything like that. Um, 100%. From Ryan Warnkin, why do you dislike David Quinn? It seems like he doesn't get the credit he deserves most of the time. Do you guys have faith in him? You know, I'm finally glad someone brought up this question because, you know, I really have a lot of thoughts just to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, David Quinn is. It's still too early to evaluate uh, the job that he's doing. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a fan of some of the things that he's done, but you have to give him some credit where there have been successes like we mentioned earlier, whether it's the. Uh, you know, impact he had on D'Angelo last year, Buchnevich to a lesser extent. Um, I just, I don't understand his rationale at times where he'll be like, we don't want to panic. Um, where I think one of the games was like, well, why didn't you pull the goalie? And it was like, oh, we would have, you know, gotten the building going alive, but, you know, he'll change up the lines after a game that they were playing well or, or, or something thing of to that nature um but again he's still adjusting to the nhl game so it's it's too early to to feel uh super passionate uh either way yeah i i don't hate david quinn um i don't dislike him i would say i think that i am often confused by some of the choices he makes but i'm still learning what David Quinn's process is. Uh, there are parts of his process that I do dislike. That doesn't mean I dislike him as a coach or as a person. I'm still figuring out, you know, what he does as a coach, I should say. Um, I think a lot of the things that I, I frustrate me about Quinn, I might be influenced by Lindy Ruff, um, who I can say that I dislike in terms of his coaching strategy. Uh, and David Quinn... There are times where I think his uh, his hyper accountability, or, or I'm, I keep trying to find the right word for it, like uh, the way he decides to hold players accountable, at times has really uh, I've really struggled with trying to understand how it's fair and even and level. Uh, although this season we did see him healthy scratch Mark Stahl, which was a big step in the right direction that I don't think uh, he got enough credit for. Um, do I have faith in him? I still believe he can be the right coach here. I really do. I think 
a lot like the kids are going through some like rocky patches. I think he's still figuring things out. Uh, he may not want to admit that he's still figuring things out, but that's honestly the impression I that I have. Um, I think it's tough when you jump into a team, um, at, you know, as, the, as a young coach, you jump into this team and frankly, you're, you're stepping on board a sinking ship and a lot of the players that you started with are gone. Um, and you're trying to work these new guys in the lineup and you have a lot of these kids and you make choices like, do I want to play this 18, 19 year old kid in the top six or do I want to play Ryan Strom up there? And you choose Ryan Strom and fans are like, well, what the hell happened to playing the kids? And, you know, you're like, well, you got to earn ice time. And it's not like he's saying a lot of radical things, right, Tom? <laughs> Just it might not be the sort of decisions as analysts and, you know, bloggers and, you know, people who watch the games and consume them, we might like to see, but I, I have faith in him figuring it out. Maybe not as, I should say, to be frank, it's my optimism has waned um, since, you know, day one of him as the head coach, but that doesn't mean I, I think it's impossible. I just think David Quinn is, you know, is a better, much better option than Elaine Vigneault for this team. I guess that's one way to put it. Uh, from Andrew McNitt, when do we package the vast number of assets we have for a true LD1? And who? Shea isn't going to be that guy long-term, and Miller is a few years out from being top pair. I would have to imagine this offseason is the year to do it to align with the window. Tom, do they have to get a true LD1 ASAP? Not ASAP. If they're doing that, I think it's going to be in the offseason because it'll be a situation of they'll have an idea of, okay, what kind of improvements did Shea make? Okay, what did we see out of Rikov? Okay, what did we see out of Lindgren? And so on and so on. And then it comes the question of, are we going to buy out Stahl? Um, is it a situation where we're going to have some money to spend? So I think that they will wait a little bit because they also want to see what they can get out of, you know, um, Keandre Miller at some point. Yeah, like I, I it's Keandre Miller's not going to be immediately be a true LD1, but he could be here in the lineup next season. And, you know, like I don't think it's an awful thing to have like Brady Shane's something like a placeholder, um, even though he's probably better suited for that, that second pair, just based on what his, you know, his development has become. Um, but like having Brady Shea as your LD one on a pair with Truba and then, you know, a, a second pair of, Oh, Tom, a second pair of Keandre Miller and Adam Fox or, or Keandre Miller and, and D'Angelo. I like it. That's, that's a wonderful Christmas time for me, Tom. You're not giving me anything here, Tom. I'm trying to seduce you. Tom. I'm not giving in. I'm going to pour a hot scalding wax on your bare chest and play some, some I don't know, jock jams, I guess. Remember jock jams, Tom? Are you too young for jock jams? I do remember that. Oh, there you go. Um, was, our final question. some Jerry Rafferty and, you know, some Baker Street. Ooh. Uh, our final question from the other Eric Carlson. Uh, where do you get your hockey news from, your daily wrap-ups? I'm pretty in touch with the Rangers. Where do you go for the rest of the league? Tom, where do you? Well, first of all, first of all, we both benefit from the SB Nation Hockey Network, which is to say, if Rangers news happens, we hear about it. Uh, you know, if if there's major hockey news, we all share it. 
you know, with our little, you know, the crew we have, a blue shirt banner and the SB Nation hockey family as a whole. Um, so really like being on Slack every day in there is a great source of, you know, information being on Twitter all day. You know, I work from home, uh, with, with being a, you know, a hockey writer and working in, you know, hockey media. This has become a reality for me as I'm on Twitter all day. So I tend to see when important things happen. Um, and at the end of the night, Tom, I like to, I like to poke through hockey Reddit. That's where I like to look for more fun stories. I mean, it's a lot of the people that are the, the should be the household names, your Elliot Friedman's, your Bob McKenzie's, your Chris Johnston's. Um, you know, it's a lot of different people through, you know, what your Shana Goldman's, your Tom Arch Jr.'s. Yeah, folks like that. Um, I mean, there's also those, you know, through SBN. There's also people through The Athletic. Um, there's a lot of good resources out there, and it's um, it's something that would be good at one point is actually make a list. And it's almost like, okay, you know, this person for this types of news, this person for salary cap news, um, you know, hockey stat miner, Mika, he's really good for all the nooks and crannies of, okay, this is how you can fit so-and-so under the cap. And here's, you know, the provisions of this. Um, I think I'm going to try and make an actual list and I'll put it to like pen and paper and I'll put it out at some point. Cause I think it's a good, um, a good question. Well, that's very, you're a very sweet, helpful young, young man, Thomas. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's a little bit everywhere, but I feel like I, there are days where I, uh, for instance, I got myself a Nintendo switch for black Friday. And there are times where I'm just like, if there's something happening in hockey news, I'll hear about it, but I need to unplug. Uh, that's the thing I'm getting better and better at as I get older is the, very tempted to, I don't want to miss anything, but I also, you know, the nice thing about having working in this field, frankly, is like, this is also my passion. And it, it, there are days though, when it's like, I, yeah, I'm not sure I can read another article about, you know, anything related to hockey. It just, it does help to step away from it, but it, I can't, I can't help but being hit by news just the way you know, the nature of uh, my work is just being kind of plugged in all day. But, you know, banter is great. We have bantering points go up from Jack. Um, if you want to keep in touch with the Rangers, I know you're saying, uh, Eric Carlson, that you know, you're pretty in touch with the Rangers. Um, I hope part of that's from Blue Shirt Banner and from our podcast as well. But uh, SB Nation, there is, you know, a corresponding blog uh, for every NHL team, as well as the uh, the Ice Garden, which is our women's hockey blog, where I contribute as well. So uh, there's a lot of great places to catch up on hockey news. I would, if you want to find one good aggr like aggregator, I think Hockey Reddit is pretty tough to beat. Um, it has, it's just a very fun, interesting community there. They tend to, you know, they tend to be on top of all the important stuff. So if I had to point to one thing, I'd say there, especially because it's free. If you really want sincere or serious in-depth stuff, uh, I think it's hard to beat the athletic right now. Um, but yeah, that's my suggestions. All right, Tom, I think, I think that's our show. Oh, this one was longer than, uh, the uh, flagship. Yeah. Tom and Mike give you a lot of meat folks. There's a lot of meat on this bone. We give you your money's worth money's worth of meat. 
Speaking of money, subscribe to the Patreon. You can get really cool stickers and mugs and all, you know, beautiful things of uh, Mike's creation. Yeah. He's very creative. I'm pretty creative. Uh, Give yourself a little more credit. You're a very good drawer and artist. I talk a lot lot about meat is what I find. You know what I had today for the first time in like 10 years is a Slim Jim. Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was was an experience. I was like, you know what? I remember these as a kid. I wasn't missing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah. One of those things as a kid, it's like, oh, man, I'm going to get a Slim Jim. And then you're an adult and it's like, yeah, I don't need this shit. Yeah. Well, I think like two weeks ago, I was talking to uh, Alyssa Longmuir, who's done done a lot of great works great work in women's hockey analytics and also uh, you know with the australian women's ice hockey league and um you know she used to write for the ice garden um and she's part of hockey graphs now which i'm fortunate enough to be there as the i'm convinced i'm the dumbest person in hockey graphs is my my self-appointed title uh it's it's i cannot tell you i'm not saying i'm dumb tom but i'm the dumbest person there by a mile um it just every day I'm reminded of it. It does make me feel self-conscious, but not in a bad way. I feel like I've infiltrated a smart people's club. Uh, but I was asking somehow Dunkaroos came up, and I remember when I was a kid, Dunkaroos were like cocaine to me. I just love Dunkaroos. Oh, I love them. They were so good. Them that frosting, Dunkaroos the- frosting, was just like cake frosting. It was just so goddamn decadent. I just wanted it all the time. Never enough. There's never enough frosting with the Dunkaroos. 3D Doritos, Pepsi Blue. 3D Doritos? I remember 3D Doritos. Damn. Oh, they're so good. Explains a lot about me now. Explains so why I have such shapely thighs. Um, I guess that's it for this week's show. We'll catch up with you soon. Like I said, we're probably going to be recording next Tuesday because the Rangers have a Monday night game, Tom. A lot of Monday night games for these New York football Rangers. A lot of them. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and the next time we talk that apparently we just both kind of realized the Rangers will lose that second round pick in the Adam Fox trade because that condition's going to get met. Yeah. that I had honestly Worth forgotten it. about that. Worth it. Adam Fox good at hockey folks. That's my big take for the night. He's the truth. Yeah. He is the truth. And that with that, we say goodbye. <laughs>